this networking craze that we have in our society. I, I, I want to change that, and I want to challenge America and challenge people listening to this podcast that to not to embrace networking, but to embrace net giving. And that's something I talk about in my first book: is the power of building authentic relationships to help and serve others. And when you can build a business on net giving. The incredible thing is, is when you serve others, it's incredible how God works. Is that they serve you ten times back, and your businesses actually grow if you have a genuine, authentic heart to serve other people. Welcome to Eternal Leadership, a show dedicated to equipping and inspiring leaders to accomplish what God has created in them. I'm Steve Ryder, and that was today's guest, New York Times best-selling author Tommy Spaulding. Now. Some of you may be familiar with Tommy's book, It's Not Just Who You Know, and I love the subtitle, Transform Your Life and Your Organization by Turning Colleagues and Contacts into Lasting Genuine Relationships. This is a theme that keeps coming up with a number of our guests, like Kevin Knebel, episode number six, Judy Robinette, episode 16, Bob Berg, a few episodes ago in episode 40. There are just a few that come to mind, but I love the different spin and take that each guest has brought to the show, and this one is just as powerful and every bit as unique. Here now is my co-host John Ramstead with Tommy Spaulding on this edition of Eternal Leadership. All right, well, I'm excited today to bring you one of my favorite people. Tommy, I have heard you speak in person. I have read your book, and by the way, on a road trip that we took this summer. We listened to this book, It's Not Just Who You Know, uh, on Audible with my whole family as we drove across country. And I got to tell you, my three boys who are 17, 15, and 11, this made a huge impact in your in their life. And I just wanted to share with you, I can already see the just the meaningful differences in how the, the relationship they've developed and what it's meant in their life. So a uh, big, hearty welcome to the podcast, Tommy, Eternal Leadership. So I'd love for you to share a little bit about yourself and just a little bit about your your journey so far so the audience can get to know you a little bit like I have. You bet, John. I appreciate being on the show, and I'm glad that you shared my uh, my book with your boys. Um, I grew up in upstate New York. My, my parents are both public school teachers. I grew up very humble. Never was on an airplane until I graduated high school back in 1987. And then I joined an organization called Up With People that uh, really transformed my heart about servant leadership and spent, you know, on and off 10 years with them, traveling to over 60 countries and thousands of host families all over the world, doing community service and volunteering and building relationships with people different than me. And 25 years later, I became the CEO of that organization and really transformed uh, my heart about leading and what servant leadership is all about. And um, now I wrote a book, and I'm a circuit, really speaking about, um, you know, authentic leadership, the importance of relationships, and, and servant leadership. You know, Tommy, as you were traveling around the world and you're working with Up With People, what was it about that experience that, that, that drew you into this servant leadership, and, you know, what that meant to you? Well, growing up upstate New York, and, um, you know, I grew up Catholic, um, um, and I grew up pretty conservative, and, and I, we didn't really travel very much. Um, I mean, an international trip was going to Disneyland in Florida. And so to join up with people and to be um, in an organization where there was 150 young people in, in, the, in the cast, and they were from 30 or 40 different countries, and they had different religions, and there were Buddhists and Muslims and Jews and atheists and Christians, and different political beliefs and different sexual orientations and it's every walk of life. 
And what that taught me, John, was, was to really learn how to love and build relationships with all people. And I think that's what Jesus calls us out to be as Christians, is to love all people. And that's what I think what people really taught me the most is how to, how to really build authentic relationships with, with, with people that look and pray and believe different than me. You know, when Tommy, when you were in that environment with all those different backgrounds of people that uh, were so different than the world you grew up in in upstate New York, right? You needed your passport stamp to probably go down to New Jersey, I'm guessing. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you know, what, what, what are some challenges or, or things that you noticed as you, as you were, you know, incorporating your, yourself into that whole new world? Well, you know, it was very um, eye-opening for me to, to go to Europe for the first time and go to Asia for the first time and, and, and to see these different parts of the world. I think the greatest um, um, impact and, and challenges for me was that, you know, we also went to amazing places like Ethiopia and the Philippines and Thailand. And I really got to see, you know, how, you know, 75, 80% of the world lives in complete poverty. And I'll never forget one of the speakers in Ethiopia pulled out a $100 bill. He was an American uh, speaker, a volunteer there. He pulled out a $100 bill and he said, you know, this $100, you know, you and I will go to dinner tonight and, and have a steak and a couple glasses of wine and that $100 be gone. But in Ethiopia, 80% of the people live on $100 a year to, to, to feed their family. And it, it just kind of hit me that how blessed we are to live, you know, in America and, um, and you know how a lot of the world lives, and it, it taught me incredible compassion uh, for all people. So, so that compassion you developed, where did that show up in in the leadership style that you've developed? Well, um, I think if you want to be a, a servant leader, you have to have a certain amount of ingredients in, in your heart. It's just non-negotiables, and compassion, and love, and empathy, and understanding, and is just um, it's just really critical to have those things, and you don't learn those skills by uh, signing up for a class and say I'm going to take Compassion 101. <laughs> you have to um, learn that through the hard knocks of, of volunteering and experience, and and diving yourself into relationships and, and and mentoring and seeing the world, and 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 through those experiences, it shapes your heart for compassion. You know, when when you talk about servant leadership, Tommy, what is your definition of servant leadership? Yeah. There's a thousand definitions of servant leadership, and one of my frustrations with that word servant leadership is I think America business lingo has this, this vocabulary that, that, uh, that comes in and out uh, 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 of, of our vocabularies, and right now the big buzzword is, is servant leadership, but, but the reality is, is Jesus talked about servant leadership you know, 2,000 years ago, and um, I think uh, the greatest definition is, is a picture. Uh, my mentor is a guy named Ken Blanchard who wrote a book called uh, One Minute Manager. He's written tons of books, but I love Ken because um, of, of all the thought leaders and authors out there, uh, I think he is the most authentic and the most genuine. And he, he founded an organization called Lead Like Jesus, which is a, a nonprofit really um, building relationships with CEOs of corporate America and to really bring Jesus' teachings into the into the corporate sector and uh, something I'm very passionate about. But I'll never forget, John, when I first met Ken, we went to walk back to his, um, his office. It's in San Diego. He's got about 350 employees that work for the Kim Blanchard companies. And, 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 and right in front of his uh, building um, in, the, in the atrium, there's a huge um, statue, I mean huge, um, of a bronze statue of Jesus washing the feet of his disciples. And, and then the the, the 
statue is, is called servant leadership. And to me, that's, that's the definition. It's when you can get down on your knees and wash the feet of the people that work for you, work with you, um, and uh, not just wash their feet, but to make them better and to serve them and to uh, have the humility that you're brought on this planet to, to make people better and, and not make yourself better. Well, when you saw that, it had quite an impact on you. Um, you know, one of the things you write about, you know, I was always a, a big, you know, when I, in my sales career, right? I, used, I, I read How to Win Friends and Influence People every single year and looked at all the concepts in there. And what you've really done is taken that, uh, what, what he teaches in that course, and you've combined it really with that moment, that experience you just described in front of that statue, looking at Christ washing the feet. I would love for you to talk about authenticity and authentic relationships and what that, and, you know, as business leaders, how do we really develop that in our life? What does that really look like? I, I think that's yeah. an area that sure, uh, sure. You, you are just fantastic at. Yeah. When I was a kid, my dad gave me a book um, called Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. And I, I, I thought it was a, uh, an incredible book. My father read it to me. And it was really a transformation in my life because it really taught me about the, the meetings and, and, and the power of building relationships and how relationships are, are pivotal in our, in our careers, in our, per, in our personal lives. But as I've matured and grown and, and, and then became a Christian and brought Jesus in my heart, I realized that though that book is wonderful about building relationships, it's really about building relationships to, to, to help you. And you have this word networking is, is this business word, and I hate that word. I mean, it, I, I'm, it's funny. People think I write books on relationships, and I must be a master networker. And I despise that word, John, because networking is, in my opinion, uh, the most uh, selfish act of, 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 of a business person is, is you meet people and you expand your network to help who? To help you. It's a selfish act. Yeah, it's right. It's, it you walk terms. into a meeting and you scan the crowd and you're like, okay, who yeah. here is the biggest value to yeah. me, my yeah. uh, my my sales pipeline, my deals that yeah. I want to do, right? That's just this filter yeah. that we create. And yeah. I, I think it's in conflict with uh, the heart we were really created to have. <laughs> there you go. There's the punchline. I mean, and there's the Chamber of Commerce that have networking events and, you know, every conference have networking opportunities and network before, between five and six. You pass out business cards. You collect business cards like they're baseball cards and you, you input all their information on your Outlook or your, you know, your calendar. And, and it's like a collection of, of contacts. And that's what networking is. Who do I know that can help me? And I think I lived a lot of my life like that, you know, my early years before I was a Christian. Think about who I can meet to help me become successful. And now that I have Jesus in my heart, I realize that it's about others. And my favorite, my favorite book of all time uh, is The Purpose Driven Life. And, mm. and I tell people to buy that book. And I, I give them a command. I say, buy that book, The Purpose Driven Life, and read it. But guess what? You only have to read the first four words of the book. Just pick it up and read the first four words. And when you get those first four words, you don't have to read the rest of the book because that's what it's all about. And the first four words are, it's not about you. And I love that. John, because that is what Jesus is all about. It's not about you. It's about others. And once you get that, then you truly understand what servant leadership is all about. And so this networking um, 
craze that we have in our society. I, I, I want to change that, and I want to challenge America and challenge people listening to this podcast that to, 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 to not to embrace networking, but to embrace net giving. And that's something I talk about in my first book, is the power of building authentic relationships to help and serve others. And when you can build a business on net giving, the incredible thing is, is when you serve others, it's incredible how God works, is that they serve you 10 times back and your businesses actually grow if you have a genuine authentic heart to serve other people so tommy when you had that revelation about networking and net giving i love that concept what what was the things that you had to do to kind of change your mindset to start to apply that when you were in a group you know here's a whole group full of strangers people are walking around meeting new people you're meeting new people what was different well, I, I think I, I was modeled that because I was taught after business, I went to business school. I was in sales at IBM. I mean, I, I'm, I, I'm a trained salesperson, so I get networking. I get building a pipeline. We had Friday calls of pipeline and, and, and commission sales. I, I, I understand that. But it wasn't until I met a man named Jerry Middle. And, John, you, you know Jerry very well. You used to be business partners with him. But Jerry Middle did two things to me, well, really three things to me that changed my life. One, um, he witnessed Jesus Christ to me. And I said I grew up Catholic and was very disenfranchised with the church and really didn't have a relationship with Christ for, for much of my 20s and 30, early 30s. And then I, I met Jerry and when I was uh, 30, 30 years old, and um, he changed my heart because he, he, he built a relationship with me. And I want to share this story with you, John, because I think it's so important for your podcast listeners to listen to this, is that Jerry was uh, uh, an insurance guy, and he's built a multi-million dollar, as you know, insurance business, very successful guy. Started out door-to-door, grew up poor, built everything himself, and loves Jesus. And he's just an amazing, humble, uh, genuine man. And we were in Rotary together. When I first moved to Denver, he no- noticed I was a new guy in town, and I was a-, a new member of Rotary, and he asked me to lunch. And I saw his name badge, and it said, Jerry Middle Insurance. And I thought, oh, God, this guy's going to try to sell me insurance. You knew, you, you knew what you figured. You knew it was coming, didn't you? <laughs> I knew it was coming because every insurance person I've ever been around has tried to sell me insurance um, you know, within the first five minutes. You know, I've had, I had a bad experience with Christianity as a Catholic because – you know, you hang out with, you know, evangelical Christian people and they want to save you within the first 15, 20 minutes of their conversation. And that's not what Jesus intended. What Jesus intended was to teach us how to build long-term, valued, authentic relationships. And when you build those relationships, you'll bring people to Christianity. You'll bring people to your business. So back to Jerry Middle. Jerry took me to lunch. And then he took me to lunch, and then he took me golfing, and then he took me to dinner, and then he took me to the Rockies games, and he just took me out, and he spent time with me. You know, he's old enough to be my, my father, and he just mentored me, and, and not once did he talk about insurance. And this went on for years, three years, until I finally said, Jerry, when are you going to sell me insurance? And he said, well, when you ask, and now he, I have all my insurance is through his company. But what he did was he also listened. And I grew up Catholic. I had a lot of pain, um, my, some, some very painful experiences I had in the Catholic Church that pushed me away from the church. And I also had a conflict because after all those years, traveling nine years with up with people all over the world, with you know, 60-something countries, I had friends that, that 
didn't believe in Jesus and, ha- and where's their place in heaven? And I had a lot of questions about that. And he listened to it and he talked me through it. And he didn't try to shove Jesus down my throat and save me over a lunch or over a quick meal. He built a three-year relationship. And then I finally accepted Christ at his uh, house in the mountains. And that changed my life. Six months later, I met my wife, an amazing Christian, and I've been married 10 years. And Jerry's my mentor. But the third thing I love about Jerry, other than teaching me about the values of relationships and bringing me to Christ, is he's continued to mentor me. I get together once a week, whether it's a phone call or breakfast or lunch, but I, I, I touch, we have a touch point every week because he holds me accountable and he wants me to be a good Christian, a good father, a good husband, a good leader, and he just mentors me. He doesn't give up on me. And he speaks truth to me. So he's the example of what I want to teach people to do is to build these lifelong, authentic relationships that are genuine, that are transparent, that are authentic, and that are real. And when you have these types of men in your lives or women in your lives that, that, that love you this way, uh, your life will be changed. I'm so glad you shared that story about Jerry. Um, you know, I'm just thinking about the time he just, he spent with you and the questions that you had. I, I'd love to almost kind of rewind a little bit and, and, Tommy, just have you share a couple of the things that were hard for you to overcome, if you don't mind sharing, that Jerry just gave you the space and, and just helped you get through that led you to this point now. I can just hear your heart for Christ and, and how that's impacting your life. And I, I think there's a lot of people that are wondering how to get to that place. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things that Jerry taught me is that your job is not to figure out all the answers. Like, I had friends that were gay, you know, and up with people, and I learned to love those people. What's their place in heaven? Right. And I've, I lived in Japan, you know, for two years. I, I lived there. And you have friends that are, that, that are not Christian, you know. They're Buddhist, and, 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 and I love them. And, and they're friends. And where's their place in heaven? And then you, you travel to parts of the world where they're atheists and they're Muslim. And, you know, a third of the world is Muslim. Where's their place in heaven? I try to figure all this out, you know. And I wanted to understand this before I really, truly accepted Christ. And what Jerry taught me is it's not your job to understand all this and, and to make judgment of it. Jesus came down for one reason, and that is to teach us how to love mm-hmm. and to forgive our sins and to be our internal father. And you know what I, what, I, what I love about Jesus is that no matter if you're a Buddhist or a Muslim or a Jew, we all agree that Jesus lived. You know, Christians believe he's the Savior, as I do. But we all believe that he was a, 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 a rabbi. And he preached love, and he preached forgiveness, and he wanted us to lead like him. And that's why God brought our, a flesh to the earth to teach us the role model of what Jesus is. And my mentor, um, Ken Blanchard, um, he gives this great analogy about why we need Jesus in our lives. And he tells a story that he was meeting someone that was explaining about the power of Jesus and why we need Jesus. He says, basically, your life is basically zero to a hundred. You know, zero is when you're born, you know, born, and then when you die, you're, you're at, you're, you need to be at 100. And, and to get into heaven, you need to be 100. And so somewhere on the, ske- the scale, you know, you have to, you know, grade yourself, you know, how, how well you lived your life. And let's say Mother Teresa, let's say she was a, a 90. I mean, she was a pretty perfect woman, right? Let's give her a 90. No one's perfect. So Jesus is the 10 that makes up the difference between 90 and 100. And so say you're 60, then Jesus is the 40. And say you're only a 10 and you went to prison, and then Jesus is the 90, but you need Jesus to make up the difference. 
between zero to 100. And that just really put in context of what Jesus is all about is he makes up the difference in our lives and makes us whole to, to be um, worthy in his eyes. And um, one of the things I love about what Ken started this lead like Jesus is that, you know, we, we learn about Jesus in church and how to be better human beings and better fathers and husbands and mothers and sons. But where I'm passionate about is what about Jesus in business? I mean, John, this internal leadership podcast is a lot of business leaders. I mean, what is what is Jesus's role in, in business? We're always taught never to bring faith into into work, and, and yeah, never, that, that um, is the culture public. nowadays, isn't it? That the the two should right. be mutually separate. But the secular, the right. secular, and the sacred were never meant to be separate. They're meant to be integrated. Yeah, but I'm I'm going to take a um, a moderate um, approach to this. Is my argument is maybe we're not supposed to, to get up in the pulpit and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ in our staff meetings. And, and, and that's for some people. It's not for me. What I believe is that the best way to bring Jesus into the workplace is to model servant leadership like Jesus Christ and to, and to lead like Jesus. And there's a whole book, if you want to read a great book about this, it's called Lead Like Jesus. It's how do you, you bring your leadership philosophy and you bring that to, to the workplace. And, and the best way to bring people to Christ, I believe, is not to brainwash them or to sell them or to throw pamphlets at them. As I have fed friends to try to save me a hundred times before I met Jerry Middle. The best way to bring people to Christ, I believe, is to live your life so inspiring where people come up to me and say, or come up to you and say, what do you got? What's your, what's your mojo? What's your special sauce? Because you got a great marriage. you got great friends. You're successful in business. You're happy. You, people love you. You're volunteering. You, you, got, you have this life that's just wonderful. What do you got? And then you can share your testimony. Yeah, they're attracted to that joy, that peace that they, you know, they see in you. I, I love a friend of mine. He says, every day I... I I'm a witness for Jesus, and sometimes I even use words. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a great one. I mean, who who um, can um, argue against servant leadership? I mean, there's not one bullet hole. I mean, when you you get on your knees in a humble place as a leader, and you serve your customers and your and your employees, and you truly love them, and that's another thing, John. That that my next book's really about is about love in the workplace. And there's new a lot of books out there that are talking about that. And that's another word that doesn't really exist in the, in, in, the, in the workplace is the word love. But I believe, you know, if you look up the dictionary, my, my, my good friend Steve Farber, who's actually a Jew, said this. He said, um, if you look up the word love in the dictionary, it doesn't say not applicable 9 to 5 Monday through Friday. I mean, you don't just love at home and then you don't love at work. Right. And I really believe if you, if you love your teams and you love your people and you love your mission, and you love your purpose, and you love your vision, and you love your customers, and, and you love what, what, everything you're doing at work, then you're going to have more results, and you're going to be more successful. And people that bring love to work, and not a romantic love, and not a touchy-feely, water-cooler, huggy, utopia, kumbaya love. I'm talking about the servant leadership love. If you bring that to work, your organization will be transformed. Anything you touch with servant leadership is going to turn to gold because Jesus blesses those that serve others. Hey, Tommy, I'm just thinking the times in my life uh, where it's been hard to do that. Can you think of some times that have been really challenging in some of those environments to just really love some of the people that are around you? Yeah, you know, I think God sometimes puts people in our lives um, 
that are difficult to love. And, you know, whether they're, they're your mother-in-law or an ex-husband or an ex-wife or a colleague or someone at your board, I've had, you know, I, I, I loved up with people and, and think it's the greatest mission in the world. But when I left, there was a few board members that just really didn't treat me kindly and a lot of um, jealousy and narcissism and gossip and just, just a lot of cancer stuff, not throughout the organization, but throughout the board and some of the senior leaders and just left in a very hurtful way. And um, it was hard to forgive those people. And, you know, sometimes we're wronged at work. Sometimes our neighbor, sometimes our spouse wrongs us. And my wife always says the only person that will never let us down is Jesus. And uh, I think Jesus puts these relationships. I call them basement relationships in my first book. You have these authentic, basement? fit for relations. But you have these basement relationships that are right. tough for love. People that are tough. They're jealous. They're narcissistic. They're angry. They're, you know, they're... There's people that, that, that really um, are, are not good people, and they're, and they're hurting. And, and um, what we want to do is we, we, our flesh, we want to delete them. <laughs> we want to get rid of them. We want to ignore them. We want to just focus on the people that love us. But I think true servant leaders, what I call heart-led leaders, they learn how to love all people. And they give and extend grace and forgiveness and understanding and empathy to the people that cause them pain. And I'm not there yet, John. I, I need to stop this conversation because there's, there's about four or five people in my life, life that I would love to push the delete button on. <laughs> and, I think we, we uh, all have my... that list, right? But that's, we that's, all have that that's list. where grace comes but from. But you know what? Uh, before I die, I'm going to find a way to forgive each and every one of those people that, that have burned me and hurt me. That's, that's part of what you sign up for, accepting Christ. Well, you know, I think this is an interesting point to bring in. You know, there's something you talk about in your book— uh, that was really uh, meaningful to me, Tommy. It was really the difference of, between an authentic relationship, and we talked about this a little bit before, uh, and in and, and manipulation, right? Mm-hmm. And what, you know, as you are out teaching, I mean, you speak all over the world, you teach and you train leaders and companies. What are, the, what are the, really the principles that you share that, you know, somebody can, you know, they're listening to this, they get to work today, something that they can apply to start moving toward much more authentic relationships in their life. These love-filled relationships that you're talking about. Yeah. I believe every single person on this planet has, has personal and professional relationships. We all have them. We have hundreds of them, thousands of them. I believe all relationships lie on five floors. I call them the the five floors of relationships and the first floor being very transactional, you know, perhaps even manipulative relationships. And you move all the way up to the fifth floor, which I call penthouse, you know, fifth floor penthouse relationships and the top level. And those are the ones where you have pure, authentic, genuine, heartfelt servant leadership relationships. And in between is second, third, fourth, and up to the fifth floor. And uh, the second floor relationships are, what I call NSW relationships, and that stands for new sports weather. And it's a very transactional nature about how you look at relationships. And you have small talk, and uh, small talk is good. It's important to break the ice. But some people never move beyond small talk, NSW. You know, how's weather? How's sports? You know, how's the news? And I believe if you want to build real relationships, the number one thing you need is, is vulnerability. And, and vulnerability is important because when you're vulnerable with someone, you open up to them. Two things happened. One is you give them permission to become vulnerable to you. And then the second thing that happens is when you both are vulnerable and you share 
each other's story, then you build trust. And as my favorite, my favorite leader out there writing books now is a guy named Pat Lencioni. And he wrote right. you know, many books on, 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 you know, on business. And, you know, he, he, he says, you got to have trust if you want to build great relationships and vulnerability builds that, that builds that trust. And then you move to the fourth floor of relationship. When you start looking at people and saying, not what you can get from them. Like, how can I meet that person? What can I get from them? Instead, you start saying, what can I learn about that person? How can I get to know who they are and their business challenges and their personal challenges? And how can I help, help them? And how can I help serve them? And, and when you start building relationships with people and you start listening with their wife's name, their husband's name, their kid's name, where they go to college, their challenges, you know, that's the small talk, but then you start listening. You know, my kid's having a hard time with school. He's really dyslexic. He's, he's struggling with school. And then, you know, next day you, you call up and say, you know, I've been, after our phone conversation, John, you told me your son has major dyslexia. I didn't share this with you, but I basically failed out of high school. I'm completely dyslexic, and I wouldn't mind having a cup of coffee with your son. And then you take this guy's son to at the coffee, and you, you pour your heart about, don't let dyslexia take you down. It's the little things that we do, and then we serve people. But we are trained to, to manipulate and to get things out of people and win their business. And I believe if you live your life with um, love in your heart to serve others and build relationships that are real and authentic and non-manipulative and that are really about blessing and serving others, you're going to have a very blessed life. But, but here's the rub. If I can just talk dollars and cents, yeah. ROI, ROI, return on investment. That's what we all want. We want a return on our investment. Every day, every business looks at the bottom line. And my argument is this. If you build a culture in your business, if you build a culture in your personal lives about building authentic relationships, you will build what I call ROR, which is return on relationships. And there's a bottom line attached to that, is that if you build these relationships that are about serving others, that means if you build a servant relationship, heart-led leader relationships with people, they're going to want to help you in return. And every statistic shows that your business will grow if you build that culture of ROR. So you're talking about really changing a mindset where instead of being focused on yourself and your needs, your goals, right, your numbers, how do I turn those arrows outwards and just focus on serving the people around me? And what you're what you're saying, Tommy, and you've seen this in real life, and you've seen the ROR uh, that has such a higher impact in your life long term than anything you can do by focusing on yourself. That that seems to be yeah. the first shift that you're talking about. That is the shift, and that is, I think, the most important shift for for us as 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 believers. Uh, or even non-believers, but that's the most important shift uh, to make. And then the, the second shift is to the book that I'm writing right now that comes out next year. It's called Who You Are. It's really who you are that matters. When people buy from you, not the company, that who you are, your, your heart matters. And I think, you know, the biggest journey that we need to make as leaders, as heart-led leaders, is the journey of, I, I call the journey of 18 inches. The 18-inch journey, not between your head, between your ears is six inches, your brain, but the 18 inches between your head and your heart. And we can, we can send a man on the moon. We can fly around the, you know, the, the solar system and, 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 and satellites, but yet we can't travel the 18 inches from our head to our heart. And what that means is to, to bring your heart to work and to, and to have these heart-led leadership qualities, which are 
vulnerability and love and authenticity and humility and compassion and these these qualities. And I think, John, and I'm going to say something, and in 10 years from now, I hope this is, wow, Spalding was right, is there's going to be a movement that that we can bring these qualities to work. And in the 80s and 90s and even today, we even say, well, there's hard qualities and there's soft qualities. You know, there's there's people skills and soft skills, and then there's hard fact skills. And, and my argument is is that there's, there's not going to be soft skills 10 years from now, is that every leader is going to have to lead with this heart-led leadership that I'm, that I'm talking about. And um, we've all worked for organizations where you had a tyrant as a leader or a command and control. The CEO knows all the answers. They lead, lead with, with fear and, and you hard charge and, 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 and you just follow the leader. And this new millennial this, you know, Generation Y and Generation X, <laughs> they're not going to follow, you know, command and control leaders. I mean, even the military is changing. You cannot lead with your head. People want to follow heart-led leaders because you could trust them. And if you're not vulnerable and you're not authentic and you're not transparent, you're not going to build that trust, period. You know, I, I think you're so right. The, this millennial generation, you know, they, they want to be involved in something that's meaningful work. You know, and I and I came out of the military that authoritarian leadership style that used to be very prevalent twenty years ago when when I was in, uh, and that was the business model when I you know first got into business and I tried to replicate that in the uh, first company I started and I got to tell you it absolutely did not work I didn't even know why, yeah. and uh, I love what you're talking about but I think it also starts from something that Jerry started in you, right? Is moving your intellectual knowledge just about who Jesus is as a person into your heart, into a personal relationship. And that's where, when you have that, then you can bring that out into the world. And maybe you could just say a little bit about how you, you know, from that, from that relationship side with, with Christ moved it from your head into your heart, Tommy. Well, I think, um, I'm not a pastor, and and, I, and I'm not smart enough to, to answer that question in, in a theological way, a theological way. But that's I okay. I'm not that, either. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> I, I fundamentally I believe that Jesus wants uh, us to teach about Him while we're here. He 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 wants us to teach people about Him, and I think He wants to teach us about Him not through our heads, not by telling them, you know, about not by using words and and lecturing and and writing books about it. I think what he wants us to do is to, is to lead like Jesus through our hearts and, and, and by example. And I can just rattle off people I know in, in, you know, in the world. Um, there's a company called uh, Greenway Medical. It's a um, software medical company. It's a billion-dollar company, and their CEO is probably 42 years old, and he's a lead like Jesus, servant heart leader that's create this incredible company because he brings humility and love to work. And I can rattle 10 or 20 different companies that have just built billion dollar fortune, you know, hundred companies because they bring these, the servant leadership, humility and love, uh, to, to, to work. And it's, uh, it's quite impressive to see. And I've become a kind of a junkie of, of trying to be a student and learning about these leaders because when I know there's a servant leader and a heart led leader that's out there, I want to be around that person. I want to learn from them. I want to surround myself with those people. Well, you know, I wish we had more time, Tommy, because I know you get to go out and speak uh, probably, what, a couple hundred times a year, and you get to see 
firsthand, you know, the leadership style and the cultures of all these different companies and, and you know, what, what the uh, effects are in the company, their productivity, the, the joy, the happiness, the, you know, everything that's going on in those companies. And you have this incredible ability to, you know, see what's working and what's not. So, you know, as we wrap up, you know, the, the people listening to this podcast, you know, they're leaders, they want to move forward in their life and their relationships and their faith. What's one parting piece of advice or comment that you would want to leave with them? Mm. Um, a couple of things. One, John, is I, I would love to challenge um, your listeners on the podcast to to really what I do what I call a relationship audit, to, to really, um, like right now, just get a piece of paper, a blank piece of paper, and write 1 through 10 or 1 through 20, or 1 through 25, whatever number you pick, and write down the most important 10, 15, 20, 25 people in your life professionally, you know, people you work with, your customers, your clients, your, your employees, your, your top people. Who are, the most 20, who, are the, who are the 25 most powerful, important people that influence your business? We all have them. And if you don't work, then you know, write down 25 people in your life that make your life work, you know people you interact with on a daily basis and write their names down, like literally write their first and last name down. And you look at that piece of paper and you, and you pray over it. And then you look at the names, the most important names in, in your life. And then you ask yourself, how well do you know these people? How deep do you know these people? Do you have a first floor, second floor, third floor, fourth floor, or a fifth floor penthouse relationship? Is, do you have transactional relationships with these people? Every time you hear from them, is it all about what you can get from them? Or are you about serving them? How well do you know them? Do you know their wife's name, their kid's name? Do you know, do you know their interests, their hobbies, their passion? Do you know that their kid has Down syndrome or that they just lost their mother to cancer? I mean, how well do you know the people in your lives? And people ask me all the time, Tommy, how do I transform my business? How do I increase sales? How do I grow my business? How am I become successful? And I say, write down 25 of the most important people in your life and make it a full-time job loving on these people and serving them, period. You'd be amazed at the results if you do that. Well, Tommy, that is, that's powerful. I'm, you know, I'm actually sitting here as you're talking, writing down names. And one of the things you talked about before about, about vulnerable, uh, vulnerability, I'm at, you know, I'm just asking myself, you know, how vulnerable have I been just with this list, right? Have I, not only do I want to serve them, but have I even let them into my life? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I know you want to wrap up, but I, I want to tell you that you look up the word vulnerability and it says share something yourself and you don't have to share the darkest secrets, but I, I want to, I want to just, um, tell a quick story. I was, sure. I was doing this, um, I was doing this, um, coaching session for a bank in upstate New York and I'm not going to say the name of the bank. And they brought me in to talk to the senior team about, um, leadership and corporate social responsibility and relationship building and so forth. And so I think there was about seven or eight of us around the boardroom table, they all been to the bank for 20, 25, 30 years. They've been there forever. And very successful bank. And we went around the table, and each person was going around the table and basically saying, you know, what they're involved in. I'm on this board. I'm on that board. I'm involved here. We're kind of going around the table, introducing ourselves and talking about what we're involved in each of the, you know, in the, in the community. And we get to second to last lady. She was in her probably mid-60s. And she looks at me, and she says, uh, Tommy, I'm not involved in really anything. I been there, done it. I've been involved in a lot of things, but now when it's five o'clock, I want to punch the clock and, and I want to go home because I want to spend time with my husband. Well, I couldn't believe she said this because she said it in a very kind of crass way. And I'm like, wow, I can't believe she said this in front of her team. 
that she kind of admits that she's kind of checked out and goes home every day at five o'clock. Like almost disdainful like, of everybody else's activities. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I, I didn't know what to say. So I, I kind of made a kind of joke and I said, well, you know, you must have a great marriage if you want to go home every day at five o'clock to be with your husband. And this lady starts to cry. Not the kind of cry with a couple of tears in her eyes. The cry that just uncontrollably. And I, I said, wow, well, did I say something? And then she kind of wipes her tears and she says in front of her, her peers, she says, my husband's 68 years old and every single person in his family, his mother, father, brothers, sisters, everyone has died before the age of 70. And so I'm living on borrowed time and my husband's my best friend and I don't know when he's going to go. And every morning I wake up and say goodbye. I wonder if that's the last time I would say goodbye to him. So I want to get home and I want to spend every waking minute with my husband. And it's just, she, she opened up. She was like vulnerable. Well, the wow. room was like deathly silent. I mean, we're at this bank boardroom table that's the 140-year-old bank, and, 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 and it was like silent. And so what I said is I said to the, to the rest of the group, I said, did anyone know that your peer was feeling this way? Did anyone know about this? And everyone shook their head. And I said, this is what builds great teams. You, you want to build your bank and last for another hundred years? You got to know each other. And then for the next hour, John, it was God. It was unbelievable. These seven people went around the table and they shared stuff about their lives, about their stories. One woman that was been there at the bank for 26 years, she was one of the executives. She talked about that she was a, an all-state swimmer in high school, an amazing swimmer. And she got a job lifeguarding in high school at the town pool. And one day a kid swam out too far and uh, was drowning, and she went out there to try to save him, and he, she couldn't save him. This kid died in her arms, and the newspaper kind of blamed her and said, "This, you know, you know, lifeguard that was a great swimmer should have saved him." And wow. so she's lived with this guilt yeah. of this kid dying in her arms, 26 years, and every day she lives with this guilt, trying to you know live her life like, and she's crying. I mean, people are going around this table sharing stuff that were it was unbelievable, and I'm just facilitating this. And no one has ever opened up before. And they didn't know how to handle this. Now, I'm not saying that after everyone finishes this podcast, they call a meeting with their entire staff and start talking about all the terrible things you've done in your life. But my wife, who's the most amazing Christian woman I've ever known, she says to me all the time, Tommy, everyone has a story. Everyone has a story. And our jobs are to learn each other's story and have love and compassion and grace for their story. And then once you do that, then you know how to serve them. And our job is to do that. And I think we need to do that at work. I think we should know our people. The people that work with us, we should know their story. And they should know ours. It's pretty powerful. Man, that is powerful. Everyone has a story. In, in, uh, you know, Patrick Lencioni, who you mentioned before, in his book, Five Dysfunctions of a Team, he starts out the entire book about building trust, and it's all about this vulnerability and sharing these personal stories. Because unless you know people's stories, Tommy, you just how do you serve them? How do you connect with them? How do you actually have yeah. a, a real relationship if you only know, you know, the business person and the spreadsheet and yeah. the, the goals? Yeah. And it, I, I think that's why so many people at work are just so discontent because they're not connected to the humanity, the people that are around them. And that's what you're talking about is making just a radical shift into getting to know people and serve them and love yeah. them. And what comes out of that is not just business success, but 
so much more fulfillment and peace and contentment in our own lives. Yeah, yeah. John, you have a story, and I know you have one because I know it. And I hope one day you'll be able to share your story and what you've been through to your Eternal Leadership podcast because I know your goal is to grow the number one podcast in the world for business leaders to listen to, and I love that goal. But when they understand your story and what you're really trying to do and why you got to where you are, you're going to be number one quicker than you think because people will follow you even more when they hear what an incredible man that you are and what you've overcome. I'm pretty proud of you, my friend, and honored to be a part of your show. Well, thank you so much, Tommy. Uh, that means a lot to me coming from you. Uh, you're, you're a special guy, and you know Jerry has been sharing with me about you and your relationship together for, for years, and I was so excited to finally get to meet a few years ago. And uh, you know, as we wrap up here, I, could you share a little bit just how people can get in touch with you if they want to have you come speak, or uh, I'll have a link to your, your book and some of the books you mentioned also in our show notes on our, our webpage, but uh, what's, what's the best way for people to connect with you? It's uh, TommySpalding.com, and it's S-P-A-U-L-D-I-N-G.com. If you'd like to learn more about Tommy's New York Times bestselling book, it's not just who you know, and the subtitle is Transform Your Life and Your Organization by Turning Colleagues and Contacts into Lasting Genuine Relationships. Go to eternalleadership.com slash 045, and there in our show notes, you'll find a link to Tommy's book, his speaking, his website, all that and more, eternalleadership.com slash 045. And if you're listening on a smartphone, tablet, or computer, just click on the summary of this MP3 and you'll find the hyperlink to our show notes right there in the summary for this episode. Thanks for listening. Next time on Eternal Leadership, entrepreneur and fellow podcaster, Frank Gustafson. I had a guy that was working for me that ran the whole back end of my business. And when I saw his resume initially, it said Sergeant of Marines. Well, I knew something about this young man that most people didn't know. I know that he was trained to be a leader, and I know that he was trained to train other leaders. And one of the things that uh, really kind of drove it home for me with him was um, he would come to me and he would say, hey, I just want to let you know that we had a problem with the truck. We had a problem with the generator. We had a problem with the process. There was a quality issue. And he would say, and by the way, here's how I fixed it. And nine out of 10 times, it was exactly what I would have done. Oh, can you imagine having a, a team full of folks like that? That just frees you up to really not worry and it frees you up mentally uh, so that you can work on the business instead of working in the business. Frank talks about the lessons he learned in the military, how to help people transitioning out of the military, and why hiring someone transitioning out could be a great move for your organization. For John Ramstead, I'm Steve Ryder, and thank you for listening to Eternal Leadership. <laughs>